0: up next on walking by faith and he said but your word was like fire shut up inside of my bones and what God wants inside of every one of us he wants a desire he wants there to be something inside us that is like fire shut up in our bones that we just have got to partake of that thing that that our, our goal in life is not going to be to retire not free time, leisure time, or entertainment time, but to fulfill a purpose, a dream, a destiny. Hello, I want to welcome you to Walking by Faith and I'm so glad you joined us today. I want to talk to you about discovering and living your God-given dream. Of course, the Bible tells us in Psalms that God gives you the desires of your heart. And it's talking about a dream, it's talking about a purpose that God's gonna put in your heart. In the book of Ephesians, it says that He has prepared paths ahead of time for us to take. God has a plan for your life. I like to say it like this, God had a promised land for the children of Israel a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of of abundance, and a land of victory, and God has a promised land for you and for me. And we're going to talk about how do you discover that promised land and how do you take possession of what God wants in your life. Would you come with me right now, right as this message begins? Well, I want to talk to you today about discovering and living your God given dream. Ephesians two ten says, we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do the good works which God predestined, simply means planned beforehand for us. Taking paths he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Notice the life that God has for you, the Bible calls it the good life. Uh, some of you may have been to Costa Rica and uh, the common greeting in Costa Rica is Pura Vida. They say they, they see you come and say Pura Vida. They say Pura Vida. Um, it would strictly be translated pure life, but it really means life's good and live it. Well, I want to tell you something. God's life for you is good. God even calls it the good life. The world tries to tell us what God's got planned for us is boring, but the exact opposite is true. There is no life as fulfilling as the one that God has for us. And notice the Bible says that he's prepared good works for us. He's already got paths prepared ahead of time for us to take. In other words, there is a plan, there is a purpose, there is a destiny for your life. It is not supposed to be just get up in the morning, have breakfast, go to work, come home, watch three hours of TV, and go to bed. That is not, God has a plan, a purpose, a destiny for you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 For God Himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want or to desire those things that please Him and to work for them. You know, a lot of people in life, what they're they're looking for is they're looking for free time. They're looking for leisure time. They're looking for entertainment. But God says, I want to put something down on the inside of you, right? A desire. I want to put something in you that burns inside of your bones. In fact, Jeremiah said it like this. He said, God had called him to speak something, and he said, "I, I... I was doing what you wanted me to do, and all I did was got in trouble. Nobody liked it. So I decided I would not say anything else. And he said, but your word was like fire shut up inside of my bones. And what God wants inside of every one of us, he wants a desire. He wants there to be something inside us that is like fire shut up in our bones, that we just have got to partake of that thing. That that our our goal in life is not going to be to retire. Not free time, leisure time, or entertainment time, but to fulfill a purpose, a dream, a destiny. And I'll remind you that, that God told the children of Israel, I've got a promised land for you. I've got a place for you of victory, a place of abundance for you. But they had to go in, they had to take possession of that land. And God has a promised land for every one of us. right? But just like the children of Israel, we've got to go in and take possession. Now, I want to talk to you just a minute, if we're starting out here, about the gospel. How the Bible, how the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God works. Jesus said in Mark four twenty-six. He said, the kingdom of God is like a man who would scatter seed on the ground. And in the same chapter, in the 14th verse, he says, the sower sows the word. So what literally happens is the word gets sown in your heart. And just like a seed that gets sown in ground, I mean, you know, the seed that gets sown in ground, the next day, it doesn't produce a harvest. That seed grows. Paul said it like this. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. In this same parable, Jesus talks about some of the things that keep the word of God from being effective and producing fruit in our lives. And I don't want you to point at anybody. Definitely don't give anybody an elbow. All right? But, but you, how many of you would just, you just nod at me? You, you have seen somebody who they say they're a Christian, But you look at their life and you go, I can't tell. Can't go like this if if you've seen somebody like that, right? See, because that seed, it hasn't grown up and produced. And here's some of the things Jesus said that can cause it to be unfruitful. And here's something. I used to think, you know, the Word of God, nothing more powerful than the Word of God. Nothing can stop the Word of God. How many of you have ever thought that? I'm the only one. No, lots of us. Okay. Good, but that's wrong, Look at what Jesus said can cause the word of God to become unfruitful. He said, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, he says it enters in and it chokes the word. Did you realize there's stuff that can choke God's word? And it becomes unfruitful. See, we've got to keep God's word, but literally, but this way, we, we've got to protect that word. And one of the ways that we do it, he says, we don't let other things become more important to us than serving God, than worshiping God and being a part of the kingdom of God. Right? We make sure that nothing becomes an idol. Nothing takes the place of God in life. God said it with the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, you say, well, I'm not bowing down to it, but you know what? We, we can bow down to a golf club. We can bow down to a boat. We we, we can bow down to a whole lot of different things, right? And that thing will cause the word of God to become unfruitful, right? The deceitfulness of riches. Jesus told us it's the number one false God. When we put our trust and our confidence in riches, when we become more consumed with becoming financially stable in, instead of being the most consumed with seeking first the kingdom of God, the word of God is going to become unfruitful. Just the cares of this life. Good stuff. How many of you know you, you, you need to take care of your family? How many of you know you need to pay the bills? All sorts of different things can come in and those all need to be dealt with, but we can't let them take the place of the kingdom of God, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things will be added unto you. You know, when, when that, that seed is guarded and it produces, Paul said it like this. He said, finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not me only but also to all those who love his appearing. Now, now notice what it says. We, We can tell if we're staying, if we're guarding that word and that word is producing fruit in our life, if we're seeking first the kingdom of God, the way that we can do it is because we love his appearing. We're excited about Jesus coming back. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of Christians that don't even think about Jesus coming back once every six months. But the Bible says that's something that should be burning on the inside of us we should love we, we should be looking forward to his appearing why because we're more focused on the kingdom of God than we are the other things that are around us we need to have an eternal perspective now back to Philippians it says that God's going to put a desire he's going to put a dream on the inside of us right it's going to be a, he's going to put that dream in there now it's not really, it's a daydream until you take the courage, the faith to act on what God puts inside of your heart. You know, how many of you know you can have a hundred daydreams, but those don't come to pass. It's when you apply faith to that thing that God puts in your heart and you begin to act on it. So Habakkuk, God is talking to him about this dream, this vision that God's put in his heart. And God said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Remember, the dream that God puts in your heart doesn't automatically come to pass, right? Somebody has to do something. we have got to run with that thing. For the, the vision is yet for the appointed time. But at the end it will speak, it will not lie, though it tarry. Wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So what God's saying is saying it doesn't happen instantaneously, it's, it's something that you work on. It's something that comes to pass over time. In, in Habakkuk 1, it says that the prophet saw. He saw what God wanted. In chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, he said, I've heard. So, so he saw it on the inside. He heard it, all right? And like Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, you know, that thing that you had for me, it was like fire that was shut up in my bones. You feel it. You see it. You hear it, you feel it. And when that happens, that thing becomes a part of you, right? And again, it's not just a dream because faith puts action to our works. Hebrews chapter 11, the whole chapter is God's heroes of faith. And every single one of them talks about what people did, right? It's what people did. And it's always interesting that they did it before the promise came to pass. Right? God told Abraham, you're going to inherit this land. But what did he have to do? He had to leave and he had to sojourn in that land. And the Bible says he didn't own any of it, but God made him the promise. With Jericho, they had to march around and they had to shout. God had said, I've given you the city. But they had to shout before the well the walls fell. How I many you know anybody can shout when the walls have fallen? Right? But it takes faith to shout, well, the walls are still up. Right? And that godly dream, that godly vision that God puts in your heart, right, it's going to bless you, but it's, it's going to bless the kingdom of God. And I mentioned this, this uh, before, that, that, that dream that God puts in your heart, it's going to bless people. But when it's godly, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about the kingdom of God. It's not about fame, it's not about uh, you know, a fortune, it's about affecting people for the kingdom. You know, I told you Joseph had a dream, and in the first dream, he sees the sheaves and how our dream is ultimately going to have some effect on the harvest. But he has a second dream, and in that dream, the stars, the sun, and the moon, and they come and they, they bow down to Joseph, right? Now, your, your dream in God can grow. It can progress, right? I think it's interesting that Joseph's dream went from earthly to heavenly, right? We may start out our life and we may be more concerned about earthly things, but as you get connected to God, you're going to become more concerned about heavenly things, right? Now, that that dream that God put in him, right? It was saying him, look, things are getting better. I believe this, that for every one of us in God, our best days are ahead and they're not behind us. God has a dream, no matter where you are, for your future today. And if all we're doing is thinking about the past and how good it used to be, we just become museum keepers, right? But when we've got a dream about our future, whether you're 18 or 88, you're a pioneer. You're living in faith, You're moving ahead, right? And sometimes people say, well, I just feel like God isn't talking to me right now. You know, that is really a pretty good sign, right? You know, when you take a test, you know, the Bible says that God tested Joseph, right? He tested Hezekiah, right? When you take a test, how many of you know the teacher doesn't talk during the test, right? He's quiet during the test. So Joseph is sold as a slave. He's lied about falsely accused, thrown in a dungeon, forgotten, and the whole time he keeps his faith in God. He keeps on forgiving. He keeps on remembering God, right? The test comes after the subject has been taught, all right? And here's what great thing for us. All God's tests are open book, right? You you, you can go to the book and find out, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Here's the answer, all right? Here is the answer. And Habakkuk said, I will watch to see what he will say to me. I will watch to see. In other words, I'm going to look to see. And there is a place that you can look. It's the Bible. We go to the word of God, right? God is looking to put passion inside of us. Give us a dream with passion. And let me just say this. Only with passion do you fulfill your dream. And your dream, when you've got passion, it draws people. You'll never accomplish anything without passion, but you'll never attract anybody to the vision without passion. You've got to have it. That dream, that vision, that destiny is not, listen, it's not, we think it's just for exceptional people, maybe like the Apostle Paul. But to realize this, Noah, he was just a farmer and he did something to save his family. Peter was a fisherman. David, when God called him, was a shepherd, and he was so unexceptional that when the prophet said, Jesse, I want you to bring your sons because I'm going to anoint one of them king, he left David home. He didn't even bring him, right? Abraham was a businessman. Deborah, the prophetess, was a wife and a mother in Israel. Mary, the mother of Jesus, a young teenage girl. The Bible doesn't tell us, but tradition says she was down, went to the well. There's just one well in Nazareth back then. She went to the well, and at the well, an angel appears to her. You know, goals are natural. They're human. They're ordinary. We can come up with them with our carnal mind. But a vision, a destiny is from God. And you really don't decide what it is. You discover what it is. You know, it's a vision that's going to touch people's lives for God. And again, it can be a mother who has a vision for her kids to serve God. A businessman who wants a business that's going to affect the community for the kingdom, right? But a vision originates with God. And again, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it says, the the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. It's something God puts down on the inside of us, right? Destiny, that vision. Nothing else fulfills or makes you as happy gives you the joy is when you connect with the purpose that God created you for. In fact, Paul said this, woe is me. He said, if I don't preach the gospel, I got something on the inside of me. God has called me. Jeremiah, you know, your word is like fire. Shut up in my bones, right? When God calls you, you listen, you're called for life. What God puts inside you he doesn't take it back. The Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. I know people say, well, I missed it. You know, it was 20 years ago when, when this happened or that happened or even longer. And we think, no, we missed it. But, but we didn't. That call is still there. The gifts and the callings of God, they're without repentance. And if you have lost your dream, I want to encourage you, pray and say, God, God, I want my dream back. I want the vision back. I want to fulfill what you've called me to do. And God will pick you up right where you are. God started out calling Jonah to do something. Jonah ran. Two chapters later, God says the exact same thing. You know, God's will for our lives, the, the, the gifts that he puts on us, the callings he puts on us, they're, they're for life. And let me just say this, ambition is from the flesh, right? And it makes you use people. But a vision that's from God helps people and it builds the kingdom of God. and, And to fulfill it, the Bible tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. Now look what it says. He never lost sight of where he was headed. He went through all sorts of things. He went through the cross, the shame. They pulled out his beard. They spat at him. They mocked him right? They put a crown of thorns on his head, the whipping posts and the, the nails in his hands and his feet. But he was willing to go through everything and anything on the way because he knew the call of God that was on his life. And he had his, his focus beyond the cross. He had his focus on where he was going. And it says, there he is in the place of honor, right along God's side, Right? Uh, Paul said this. He said, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He had all sorts of setbacks, difficult circumstances, endless travel, imprisonment. At one point, he said, you know, we were coming to you, but Satan hindered us. There were beatings and whippings. He was stoned and left for dead. He was in a ship, shipwreck three times. He is threatened. He spent sleepless nights. He said he was cold, hungry, thirsty, right? But With all of that, he said, I wasn't disobedient. I just kept on going. There's always opposition. In fact, Amos said, woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Now, you you, you may feel like, you know, I'm not sure what God's got for me. If you will ask God, God will show you. God will show you. You David was minding his own business as a shepherd. When they came and grabbed him and said, hey, Samuel, the prophet is waiting for you to come. Elisha was plowing a field when Elijah came and called him. Gideon, he was hiding from the Midianites in a wine press, threshing a little bit of wheat. He was fearful, and an angel showed up and said, Hail, you mighty man of valor. Now, there's 250,000 enemies that are there, the army of the enemy. And the angel said, Hey, I'm sending you to fight. He calls the Israelites together. And 32,000 show up. And God said, hey, you got too many. That's too many. 32,000 against 250,000. No, 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 no. You have too many soldiers. Preach a sermon. Get up and say, everybody who's afraid, go home. So he preached that sermon. He had a great altar call. 22,000 people (laughs) left and went home. So he's left with 10,000, right? And God said, that's still too many. Take him down to the spring. And and, uh, we're going to Israel in less than a year. We go to the spring. It one of the spots in Israel. There's no doubt this is the spot. And he takes them and God says, I'm going to test them there. And everybody gets a drink. And some of them just get down and on their face and, and lap. But there were 300 of them that got on their knee, took the water, brought it up, and kept looking around. And God said, I'll take those 300. And I really believe the reason that God took the 300, but they were the ones who were constantly vigilant for the enemy the entire time they were the ones that were ready to fight the entire time i think it's interesting that when nehemiah built the wall he said half of the men had a sword in their hand and the other half built he said we were ready to fight the enemy the entire time and of course god took those 300 that were left they defeated the 250,000 Midianites, and God got all the glory. Think about it. God chooses a guy who's afraid to be general. God chooses the most unlikely people because God really is more interested in our availability than our ability, right? Sometimes we think we've got no time for the things of God, right? Moses took time. The Bible says he turned aside to see that burning bush, and God began to talk to him. Gideon, he was doing the the, the thing that you would think that no general would do. He's hiding from the enemy when God calls him. And here's what I think is interesting. Listen, God says to him, he said, now, here's what I want you to do. He says, you're going to lead the battle against the Midianites. You're going to defeat them. But first, I want you to go home. He said, and at your house, your father has an altar to Baal. And I want you to tear it down. And then I want you to take his bull, the one that's seven years old. And I want you to build an altar right next to it to the Lord. And I want you to offer it. The Bible says he did it at night. You say, why? Because the Bible says he was afraid. And in the morning, the the altar to Baal is torn down. And everybody says, who did it? And (laughs) Gideon was sleeping late. And they said, must be Gideon. And Gideon confessed. And they said, well, let's kill him. And his dad said, well, if Baal's God, let let Baal kill him. Here's what I want you to see. God said, you're going to be a leader? But he says, you start at your house. Start at home. God called Moses. He sent him to deliver Israel. And listen to this. He is on the way. You you know the story. Moses argues with God. He says, God, I can't speak. God, I'm afraid. God, send somebody else. God, your plan is great. You should do that. But just use anybody except me. How many ever felt like that? You are a great candidate for God. And it says, and it came to pass on the way, Moses going down to Egypt, in the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. That's in your Bible. He met Moses and he sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, surely you're a husband of blood to me. So he, God, let him go. You say, what's going on? God's sending him and he's trying to kill him? What happened? Well, God was sending him to deliver his covenant people. And the sign of the covenant was circumcision. And Moses hadn't even circumcised his own family. Here's what God's saying. He says, start at home. If it doesn't work at home, don't export. And, And some of us, we do have a dream that's in our heart. If you don't, pray, and God will give you that dream. But when God puts that dream in your heart, you know where we start? Start at home. Start at home. Somebody said, well, I'm looking to speak to 10,000 people. Hey, try two kids. In fact, my first sermon was to one kid, 12 years old. Next week, he had his friend. 50% increase. That was great growth. (laughs) The next week, the friend's mother came to make sure I wasn't preaching heresy. So that was a that was pretty good growth too. You know, you start where you are. Start right where you are today and start at home. And as we're faithful where we are, God will send you forth, use you, and anoint you. A part of the dream that God has for every person is that that person received forgiveness, that that person has a relationship with Him. What Jesus called, literally, He said, you must be born again. And if you're watching today and you're away from God, you're not right with God, and you say, I want to be right with God, I want to invite you right now to bow your head and pray this simple prayer from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, and I believe His blood paid for my sins, And I believe he rose again. I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer, that I'm forgiven, that I'm your child. I'm my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are right with God. And I want you to keep growing spiritually. I wrote a book, and I want you to download it absolutely free. The information is right there on your screen. And, of course, if you need a hard copy, you can get, get that as well. And if this program is blessing you, please become a partner with us. Pray for us. Help us financially as we're taking the gospel literally all around the world. Thank you. God bless you. At Walking by Faith, we believe in the power of prayer. Call now to share your prayer request, so we can begin standing with you in prayer. Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivanrest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan 49418.